0: this is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays, sharing five of my favorite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls.
1: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: Hello and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Let's on the Decks. This is the first episode of the fourth season, which is just kind of mad. When I started this over a year ago now, about a year and a half ago, I would not have predicted (laughs) that we would be here now, or many of the things that the past year has entailed. Let's be real. But the need to keep having these conversations is pretty obvious. If anyone's seen some of the festival lineups recently, wireless. So, Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to be back for the new season. We've got some really cool guests on, starting with Ellie Ramsden this week. Ellie is a photographer, and she captured women who work in the grime scene for a few years and published it in a book called Too Many Men, Women of Grime. And she did a second volume recently. So Ellie and I have a conversation, not just about what inspired her to do that book, but also about... The role of photography in the music space and how she's kind of moved as a photographer and captured. We also talk about looking ahead to the return of live music, how important that is for certain genres. So, genres like grime, where the energy of freestyling and jumping on a track is so much a part of what that music is about, how that suffered from a year without clubs and crowds. So, without further ado, Ellie Ramston on the Hot Girls podcast. Let's go,
1: ladies. Listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the mix. It's fire. going. We're fire. From London for the world.
0: Let's go in. So Ellie, welcome to Hot Girls. I actually wanted to start the conversation just by talking a bit about grime because it's a genre that I feel like has been on such a journey and obviously a genre that you have followed very closely. Do you feel like it's still, is it still really present in your life? Do you still feel like it's really present in culture or do you feel like
2: it's shifted? Do you feel like it's still present in my life, but I think in a different way. And I think it's definitely still present in culture. I mean, I guess the last year, because we haven't been allowed out, we haven't been allowed to go to shows and stuff. And that's kind of really where I got into it was going to live shows and like feeling the energy. So that was where I could like enjoy it the most. And so I think kind of being in your house more and not doing as much stuff, not going out and being able to be in those spaces. I think it has kind of changed a little bit for me, but at the same time, I'm really enjoying kind of looking forward to going to those spaces again and going to live events. I think the love will kind of come back for it more. I think it's still very current in culture, and I think it's always been such a political genre. And now that we've seen so many kind of injustices happening in the world in the last year, I think that there's going to be. So much like political stuff kind of reflected in the music in the last year or like in the next year. So yeah. that will be really interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I agree with what you said about the live scene as well. Cause obviously we've all been in our houses for so long, but I forget that culture of just jumping on a beat and freestyling and cyphers and stuff is such a part of grime, such a part of garage. And yes that kind of energy, it needs live to come back. Like you do, you see it a bit in radio, but it's
2: just not the same, is it? It's really not the same. Like you yeah, okay. You can put on like a song like at home and you can get a bit mad to it and it'll be fun. But it's just like nowhere the same as like yeah. actually being in that environment and like everyone's gas, everyone's like jumping up and down, like people just going mad, someone's like throwing their arm in your face and there's <laughs> a drink. Like <laughs> Yeah. Then you get hit in the face by someone else and you're like, ah, it's just like crazy. But yeah, nothing can beat that.
0: Yeah. And I guess the energy that you have when you have your version of it at home is more because people are kind of getting a feeling of what happens when it's out. It's like reminiscent of that, like, and you try and reenact it. So did you grow up in
2: London? I did, yeah. I grew up in South East London. Kind of moved a little bit further in, so I'm kind of still South London. But yeah, born and raised.
0: And was that, was grime very much like the music of your youth, so to speak? (laughs) I sound Um, like a council (laughs) word.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had friends that also listened to grime, and I had a few friends that were kind of into it and kind of were starting to do the MC kind of thing. They didn't really carry it out, but like, yeah, there was still I knew people that were kind of into the scene and kind of were going that way. So,
0: and was your first like nights out grime nights or like cheesy club nights or? Oh,
2: I think it was a bit of a mix of both. You know, I mean, the first club I ever went to was Shush in and Croydon. And I thought it was the best thing ever. I don't know if you've ever been to a shoot. I have never it's been to a shoot. Absolutely terrible. And it did get shut down. But I had the best night of like this was soon after I turned eighteen with like two of my other girlfriends who were eighteen then. And we just had the best time.
0: Yeah, I feel like I mean that was like my first club. I imagine shoots to be like was like yeah. early club like carpeted floors.
2: Oh no. Kind of vibe. Not- oh no. Oh, but I have been to a club with carpeted floors and it's so wrong. It just, it's just so weird, isn't it? It's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so sticky. And the smell, not that there's oh, ever a the smell. smell in a club, yeah.
0: but it's like a carpet literally just sponges it and just yep. gently lets it out through the door. <laughs> <lice. laughs> so excited to go out again.
2: Oh, definitely.
0: <laughs> and was, because obviously you're a photographer, so was creativity in creative fields always something that you naturally gravitated towards?
2: Yeah, definitely. I was always really into like painting and drawing and sort of like making little things. Like I had like a craft box at home and Mm -hmm. I just always used to like sit there and just like make random things. And then, yeah, I'd go to like art club instead of sports clubs. I hated sports. And so I was just like a very quiet little girl and I just used to like do my art. And then, yeah. And then as soon as I picked up a, a camera, my love for photography just sort of took off. And I still did a little bit of painting and drawing like here and there, but photography definitely kind of took over.
0: And did you study? I'm just always interested in like how people have learned their craft. So did you study photography or did you just practice it?
2: I did, yeah. So I studied it for sick form because after kind of getting my hands on a camera, I started like dressing my friends up and like doing random shoots with them, pretending they were like Alice in Wonderland or whatever they were. And I used to assign myself to be like the official event photographer at parties. And so we used to like turn up at house parties and I was always the one with the camera like capturing the whole night. So kind of after that, I realised that it was something that I was really interested in. So yeah, I did it at sick form and then I went on and did it at uni. So and then I graduated in 2018.
0: And then you graduated and did you go to uni in London as
2: well? No, I went to Gloucestershire in Cheltenham. Was it different like getting out the city and living in a different space? It was, yeah. It's a lot quieter, a lot smaller. Yeah, a lot less diverse. but. Yeah, it was interesting. I'm kind of glad that I had the chance to go and live somewhere different because I think it just sort of cemented my love for, for London and made, like, really made me want to come back. Mm. And so in terms of actually capturing people
0: and characters, again, was that always something that you were drawn to when it came to photography or did you experiment with different types of photography?
2: Yeah, I think I've always been really, really interested in just people in general and capturing people because I always used to draw people as well, even though Mm. they were terrible drawings. But I was always like drawn to capturing people in certain ways. And I think to start with, I had no idea what I wanted to photograph. So I was just photographing anything and everything. And then I kind of refined things a little bit. And yeah, kind of focused on music and people, really. And that's definitely what I'm most interested in.
0: I'm always interested in how photographers who capture people get the angles right so quickly. Is that a skill that you practice or just kind of develop once you've shot a million faces?
2: It's definitely practice. Like to start off with, I was not getting the angles. I was, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just shooting people like straight on or from like low down. There were like chins involved. Like it wasn't, it wasn't ideal. But yeah, it's just practice.
0: Yeah, because whenever I get like photographed, I'm like, honestly, my face is impossible to take photos of. And then they take like two and I'm like, oh yeah, you got it. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> <Well done. laughs> Do you think nowadays, because obviously photography is not a field that I've worked in, but I think in most creative fields, you need to be quite entrepreneurial to really have success there. Like no one really mm-hmm. kind of offers you jobs. Like what's photography like as a landscape professionally?
2: I think it's a weird one. I think you definitely do need to push yourself out there as much as possible, which can be difficult. Like if you're introverted and like that just doesn't come naturally to you. And I definitely found that myself. But like you just kind of got like pushed through the uncomfortableness of that. Not that that's Mm. a word, but you just got to like push through and just like make yourself do it. Because if you're not pushing your own work out there, like no one's going to see it. So yeah, it's a weird one. I think you have to be quite. Yeah, entrepreneurial.
0: Yeah. And so, which kind of brings me on to many man, did that start with an entrepreneurial mindset or more of just an an observational kind of interest?
2: It was literally just an interest. So to start with, I started kind of photographing sort of musicians in like genres that I enjoyed. So like hip hop and then kind of it was like going into grime. And I was like going to events at that point as well. And that's where I started kind of having the realization that there weren't that many women or like there were barely any women at all, both on stage and in the audience. And so I started to wonder why. And like I knew of a couple of like MCs and journalists, but I knew there had to be like more. And so I just started trying to like research them and I found loads. And then I started reaching out to people. I did not think this was going to be a book or anything. And then I just started like photographing people and then kind of hearing their stories and their journeys and their experiences and just thought it was like so interesting. And I felt like there was a real gap where people weren't being like told these stories or they weren't hearing them. Mm. And so as the project kind of built, I just started like actually interviewing people properly and it just sort of went from there really.
0: Were there some common threads that you found from talking to people working in the field of their experience in the industry?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the women kind of thought that the guys could do more to help platform them and to give them space in the industry. I think we're seeing that now. I think the guys are kind of bringing more women on now, which is great to see. And also a lot of the women that I spoke to also think that in the music industry, women are often like paired against each other and kind of put into contest with each other for like a top spot. So obviously we see it with like Beyonce and like Nicki Minaj and... And all of those kind of people in the US. And I think the same kind of happens here. Like it usually feels that like there's only kind of one space for a woman, which is completely ridiculous and shouldn't be the case at all. But that's, yeah, often how it's kind of set out to be. Yeah, it's a bit strange.
0: I was talking to actually Shingy about this. And she was saying that she constantly got told, oh, we're kind of covered. Essentially, mm, like yeah, we've got one woman who raps yeah. or we've got one kind of lead solo. So like that space is full as if, there couldn't be space for more than one yeah. on labels that might have 10 guys with guitars kind of thing or yeah. whatever that other version may be. That quota thing is really strange. The thing I found really weird about it is the perception, I think, that's cultivated in the press or in kind of mainstream media or views or the story is that that comes from the artists themselves. And in my experience, I've definitely found it with DJs, where there's a minority... There's a lot of encouragement and quite a lot of sisterhood and there isn't that competitiveness. And I don't know if that's because like I'm in it at a slightly different time and maybe 10 years ago it would have been different. But when I look back at the women who were rapping at the top like yeah, 10, 15 years ago, they were the same. They kind of stuck together like it's easier to think of the kind of the people, our cousins across the Atlantic because there are more of them that have been given that platform and space. And I don't know quite why in the UK. Someone even asked me yesterday, they were like, why is there not the same platforms given to women? And I was like, I don't really know. I think it must be the labels because the talent is there. And I'm like, you would have seen this in kind of thousand folds. As soon as you start digging, the amount of talent that's out there is insane. Because you started the project, I guess it started as before it became a book, because you started photographing in 2017, have you got any interesting observations from different people's career journeys and how they've moved in that three years?
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you kind of said that. And I think that's another thing, like a lot of the women in the book felt like when I started the project, they were kind of saying, none of the women work together we need the women to kind of like back each other because that's what the guys are doing. Like they're all there kind of bigging each other up, like posting each other's songs when they release and all of that. So they kind of like have a lot more of an audience like already built. Mm. And the women just didn't feel like each other were doing that. Now, like four years on, I see that all the time. Like I feel like they're kind of actually unifying and coming together. And now they're kind of helping each other like prop themselves up, which has been so amazing to see. So I think that's been like a big thing. Yeah. Someone you
0: photographed who I think is maybe going on an interesting journey is Paigey Cake. I didn't really know too much about her when she was initially releasing stuff. And then she only came on my radar maybe a year or so ago. And I looked into her back catalogue and I was like, oh, girl, like, why don't I know her? She's super (laughs) talented. I really like her sound. Do you know what's going on with her? Like where she's looking to take her music and her growth?
2: Thing is for page cakey like she's incredible because she's got so many avenues. So she's mm-hmm. like a musician and then she's an actress, or well, she's an actor, and then she also does like her kind of YouTubing and then like her influencer kind of side as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's got like all platforms covered. So she can just do anything. Like she's incredible. Music wise, I'm not too sure. I know that she was doing like some collaborations with other MCs, and I think that was doing really well for her, but I'm not sure kind of where she's like planning on going next.
0: Yeah, she reminds me a bit of like I find some like Alakai Harley, who could do quite a few different sounds, and then kind of picked her lane very much with like dancehall pop. I feel like Page Cake is the same; like she can turn her talent to a lot of different sounds. Yeah, you know? of the women you've met, who have been some of the interviews that you've kind of really enjoyed or or learned really nice things from. I need to think back now because
2: there's been so many.
0: So I always find those questions tough when I'm asked them some. <laughs> so yeah. hard
2: I think a couple of ones that definitely stood out to me were Roxanne and Lioness. I think they were two that really, really did stand out to me. Because Roxanne kind of shared her experience about coming from Birmingham. So coming obviously from outside of London. This was like years and years ago when people were quite against... Grime being out of London for a while, I think, mm. because it's such like an area thing. I think we were really protective over it, and so because she came down from Birmingham and has such a strong accent, I think people didn't really know what to make of it for like to start with. But then obviously she showed them that she could just kill it, and so they kind of accepted her. But like she was kind of speaking about like her journey, also with homelessness as well, and kind of like how that's affected her, and, and actually the lessons that that taught her, and how that made her a better musician. So I think that was actually really inspiring yeah and kind of gave me a completely new perspective on something that i just had no idea that she'd gone through so mm. can you
0: remember any of the insights that she gave in terms of what made it made her a better musician was it more about the experiences and her storytelling or something it was else? actually
2: more about shed like organizational skills and also i remember her saying that at that time she kind of felt like that was her jail time and she like didn't have freedom. So she decided to use that time to write. So I feel like she just kind of wrote and wrote and wrote and just wrote about what she was going through and how that was making her feel. And I think she also said that she often has like quite a lot of trouble like processing her emotions and like actually like communicating those emotions. So I think by writing that also really helps her. Do you find
0: photography and the process of curating something helps you understand your emotions.
2: Oh yeah, I think so. I think with art in general, definitely. And often like if I'm not feeling good, I actually use like other modes of creativity to kind of like get it out, which often make me feel better. So in the past I've sort of like written poetry and I've done like crazy collages and paintings and stuff. But I think with photography, like the amount of people that you meet through what you do like gives you so many perspectives. I think that in itself is like a really interesting thing. Yeah. So I think by meeting like so many different people, it kind of gives you such a wide perspective of the world. And then like in turn, that can also give you like other perspectives of like how you feel.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree. It's definitely like you learn, I think, from hearing about other people and you're like, oh yeah, you've actually just explained something that I can really understand. Yeah. I was thinking about photography and how if you don't see something or it isn't kind of written down, it kind of gets erased from history. And so I was thinking about your book and your work is quite important. And probably you wouldn't have like kind of put this on yourself when you're doing the project. But if you hadn't deliberately gone out to capture that, most of those women and their artistry might not have been captured because if they weren't being plugged by the right people, then it wouldn't have happened. Do you think about that kind of thing? Do you think about the role that photography has in reminding people of what was and who was?
2: Yeah, I think it's something that I've started thinking about a lot more in the past year or so. I think as artists and as photographers, we have like a huge role to play with like responsibility. And I think it's like an incredibly powerful tool that we can tell other people's stories. But I think we also need to be very careful. With how we tell stories to make sure they're really truthful and kind of, yeah, truthful of those people and their experiences. And I think there's a lot of stories that some people won't feel comfortable telling or shouldn't tell. And I think that is also fine because, like, not everyone can tell every story. And I think, like, with the accessibility now of photography, it's becoming like a really amazing thing to see. People from certain communities that wouldn't have been able to tell their story like a few years ago, now actually being able to like tell their story and tell their community stories, which I think is like so important and like a really beautiful thing. Yeah. So I feel
0: like publishing a book is one of those things that might not have been on your bucket list, but it's on so many people's bucket list. Like I was talking to someone the other day, done a TED talk, and I was like, that's on loads of people's bucket list. So how did you do it? So how what was your process of publishing a book and What, any kind of nightmare realizations along the way? Like, what was it like?
2: It was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) It was a nightmare. I don't know. Yeah, there were so, 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 so many times I was just sat there looking through it, like making changes and adjustments, having no clue what I was doing. And then just being like, why am I doing this? Like, why should I put myself through this? But I think that's so easy to do. Like if you set out to do a project by yourself. Mm. Yeah, there were many late nights, many days spent like me just literally not having a clue like how to work in design. I think the main problem was is that I didn't realize you could set up like a template. And so I was just like creating every single page from scratch, which is extremely boring and extremely silly. Because then every amendment that you have to do, you have to like go back and just change every single page. And there was like over 100 pages. I was like, and then someone told me this after I'd like published it. I was like, you don't need to tell me that like don't do that.
0: <laughs> it is so those that like learning, learning anything is just so painful. I feel like people don't talk about it enough. <laughs> you always just sat there by yourself like why can't I just do this already? Literally, literally. Did you watch sort of YouTube videos?
2: I didn't. And that's another problem I think I had like I do now. But yeah, I really should have. I was just trying to do it myself. I was just trying to figure things out. And yeah, I think I should have like asked the world for help. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how did you distribute it? How did you kind of when you're like right now it's finished?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, luckily I was kind of just coming out of university at the time that I decided to self-publish. So obviously I had no money, so I did a Kickstarter and luckily with the help of lovely 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 people, managed to raise a grand and then that all went towards printing costs. Mm. So I printed 100 copies and then I had like a launch party. And then so loads of the copies went then. And then I just sold it online through Big Cartel, which is a great platform because they don't take any money. Tried to sell it through Amazon, sold a couple copies, ended up losing money. So I just took it off there. They take such a massive percentage. Interesting. I did not know this.
0: So they take a huge cut that just wasn't even...
2: Not just not worth it at all.
0: Not worth like, it. And what are... I don't know Big Cartel.
2: Yeah, so they're just like an online platform just so you can sell stuff and you can just put things up for free. I think there's like ways that you can pay for things, like if you want to add features, Mm. but it works really well. It's all connected through PayPal. So, yeah, it's really great. It's probably got nicer people at the helm
0: than Amazon as well. Definitely,
2: definitely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Would you do it again? Like, are you, what are you inspired by at the moment when you're looking ahead to future projects?
2: I have loads of ideas for future projects. I don't know which one to start first. I have some ideas that are just like long form projects that I think will take like many years and I'll probably just kind of carry on doing them while I do other projects as well. But yeah, I'm just trying to figure out like where to start at the moment.
1: Mm.
2: I did start something during like the third lockdown, which has sort of like turned into a project by accident. So during during the third lockdown, I was sort of, just walking around and I started making a pact with myself to take my camera with me on walks. And I started like going to Crystal Palace Park loads because I used to go there as a child and I just used to love it there. And so I just started walking there and then asking people if I could take their photograph like in the park. And everyone to this day has said yes, which is incredible. And then it just kind of became a thing because I think I was like trying to like stay sane because there were no shoots happening really. I was just like trying to connect with people. <laughs> And like, fill the void a little bit. So, yeah, I just started asking random people if I could photograph them. And yeah, it started to turn into something, but I'm not quite sure what it's going to be yet. TBC,
0: TBC. an ever evolving, but hopefully not something that relies on us being locked down. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to go. out. Okay. My final question for you is like, quite maybe a hard question or a big question. Music evolves so much. And I was thinking with like the new, say, like whether it's drill or whatever, the new genres and things that are coming through, it's like you've got a new generation of people to educate on the need for equality. And often I think because younger people set trends and often guys are so dominant when you're younger, like maybe that has an impact. But do you generally think that we're moving forward in terms of seeing more balance in the music industry and particularly in? rap and like the kind of genres that center around that?
2: I think we are. I think we're definitely seeing more platforms for women. I just hope that a lot of these platforms are actually caring about the women that that they are putting on because kind of like we were saying earlier, sometimes it does just feel like they're filling a quota and often it feels quite lazy as well because I often see like the same women being put on and I know that there's so many talented people out there that if people did their research and if promoters actually went out of their way to find like amazing new talent, they could so easily do that. So I think like we are definitely moving forward, but I think it's slow as with everything. And I don't know, I think it will be interesting to see where we are in like five, 10 years time. And I really hope that we can get to like the 50-50 mark because it definitely is doable. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah. The only thing stopping it really is ambition from or desire how do you feel about quotas in general like kind of saying you have to have 50 50 lineup or those kind of things
2: I think it's kind of important so we can move forward I think it's important so it makes people do it it's sort of annoying in a way and a lot of people do say like oh people should be put on for their talent rather than just like fill a quota and I do completely agree with that but at the same time we can definitely fill those quotas with very talented people. So it kind of, I think it needs to be done so we get to a certain place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Ellie, where can people look up, women of grime, (laughs) (laughs) Too Many Man, volume two? It's
2: on my website and there's also a link in my Instagram bio. And what is your Instagram handle? It is Ellie underscore Ramsden. Indeed.
0: (laughs) So look it up, people. And that's where you can check out the photography and the work and... What I think is also brilliant is like there is no way you're going to look through that book or look at your photography and not discover new talents because you've covered like a real range of people from the scene, like not just the people behind the mic, also the people behind the decks, like all different kinds of people. So thank you so much for sharing with us and also for the work that you have done.
2: Thanks for having me on.
0: We love it. And thanks guys for listening. I hope you've had wonderful weeks and we'll see you next week. Bye.
2: What up, let's
0: On the prize, if no surprise, good women were destined to rise, inspiring, celebrating, uplifting.